It's the Breakcast, Breakcast, the PopBreak.com. Breakcast, Breakcast, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBreak.com. Breakcast, Breakcast, oh Welcome to the Breakcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I'm the editor-in-chief of PopBreak.com, and you are joining us for the first ever PopBreak.com end of summer movie season podcast. I am joined as yeah, always. Otherwise known as our, uh, otherwise known as our top 30 reasons why the Ben-Hur remake was a fantastic idea. Little behind-the-scenes information about this podcast. We actually did legitimately wait till Sunday night to see of Ben-Hur's opening weekend to see what the box office would be. We we did wait for that. So Ben-Hur I was it, so excited that to the get only, that joke in. Yeah, this is the that, only uh, only thing Ben-Hur had an impact on either of our lives this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to get that joke in that I didn't even wait for Bill to introduce me. That's how excited I was to talk about how badly Ben-Hur did. But we will get there eventually, Bill. Yes, yes we will. Dan, so summer the summer movie season 2016 has come and gone. I feel like it wasn't even that long ago we just did our first ever summer movie preview podcast, and now we're here closing out the summer. For me, um, uh, in my opening statement about this season, I feel like some the summer movie season of 2016 was like going out to eat at a franchise restaurant. There's nothing wrong with eating at a franchise restaurant. In fact, you'll probably get a, a, a decent meal out of it. But at the end of the day, or at the end of the summer, you're not really going to remember anything from it. And I feel like that's what the movies were this summer. Outside of a few here and there, it was like the big mo- a big movie opened, people saw it, and no one really talked about it. Or it didn't really have the, the staying power of, of, in the, of a second weekend. We saw some huge franchises have sequels and continuations this summer, and it was like, eh, that was fine. That, that's pre- it was pretty much a meh summer well i mean that's pretty much it i mean look the proof is in the pudding i mean the box office is down i mean it was it's down from last year i think uh box office mojo is saying now keep in mind you know we're recording this summer not officially over but we're recording this on the night of uh, sunday august 21st 2016 so if somehow some way the the mechanic sequel grosses a billion dollars uh in its opening weekend you know we'll we we may, we'll throw a mea culpa. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a twenty minute addendum podcast, but I don't think that's going to happen. The point is that yeah, according to Box Office Mojo, it looks like it's down like twelve point one percent. Well, here's okay. Here's what you need to know is oh. is I'm taking a look at this and two th- thousand fifteen uh, Mad Max Fury Road. You remember that film? Oh, uh, that was the film. tenth highest. That was the tenth highest grossing film of the summer. Uh, that I think made, that, uh, that that 10th ranking was, uh, I think, less than the amount of Oscars it received last year. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's... yeah. I, I Oscars, Oscar nominations, I should say. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. So that made... So Mad Max Fury Road made just over $153 million. Now, that would have been clocking in here at number six for John, this year. 
barely number six. It won't. It, it would barely edged out by the number five movie this year. Right, right. I mean, I guess like so. Star Trek Beyond and Jason Bourne are six, seven. It might. Those movies are still going. I mean, they're they're diminishing in theaters, so those could pass them. But look, that's the story here. I what's the easy answer that to all this is that our audience starting to reject franchises and sequels. Maybe, although I guess a studio executive would tell you, well, the top 10 move, grossing movies of the summer this year, only two of them were non-franchises or sequels, one being The Secret Life of Pets, which we all knew, which we all knew was going to be really good. And, um, and then, and then ugh, Central Intelligence. Ugh. Now, uh, which, what about Tarzan, which I'm shocked it, it was at number nine. Is that, would we consider that a franchise? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that counts. I mean, yeah, that's, it's a would. known property. Known property. Known property is, I guess, what I'm saying. So in terms of things that were totally original and not based off of anything, not a sequel, you know, you had Secret Life of Pets, which was number three, and then <sighs> Central Intelligence, which is the number eight film. I mean, so I would like to tell you that, hey, maybe this means that studios are going to pay attention and, you know, they're going to start shelving out more original material and everything's going to be great and we're not going to get as many sequels and franchises, but... I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think right, there's there's a couple observations here at the top, and you know, strap in people. We're we're going to be talking about the whole summer. We're going to be breaking it all down. What were the misses? You know, what were the what were the big hits? We'll, we'll do it all. Uh, a, a, but, a lot of this podcast, people, is going to break down why Mike and Dave need wedding dates to not make more money. I mean, I, you know, you joke about Mike. I know. Can Dave need wedding date? But like that was one of like. But believe me, there are there are more there are a lot more noteworthy flops this summer than Mike and Dave need wedding dates. There's no one, you know, no one's crying over the box office gross of Mike and Dave need wedding dates. But look, I think what this all means is let's just talk about superhero movies very quickly. For all the people who are saying like the bubble's going to burst at some point, we're not going to get superhero movies anymore. 2016 was really the movie that was going to test this as we had well, we had 6 this year in the calendar year. But you had three this summer. All three of them this summer made well over $500 million worldwide gross. Superhero movies are going to be here till the day we die. It's, look, I, they're, I mean, they're a genre just as drama, action, or comedy is a genre. Uh, so just, it, to, just to uh, debunk yeah, that, uh, there's a lot okay. of, you have a lot of, no, 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 to debunk that, oh, they're going to stop. Uh, oh, yeah, According sure. to, I mean... There's all the, you know, you could go on the internet and see all these different, um, you know, hey, here's here's the movies coming out. I mean, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man. Uh, you have a new Wolverine movie on the horizon, Black Panther, two Avengers movies, a Justice League movie, Captain Marvel. Um, that's to uh, Thor Ragnarok. Plus, lest we forget, while we are, uh, Doctor Strange coming out this year. But lest, yep. lest we forget, there's probably also a Deadpool sequel in the works. Those but they're definitely, I mean, they're, that's official. That's coming. Yes. 2019. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I didn't have an exact date. They're casting for cable right now. So, yeah. yeah no. I, interesting who they're actually putting, who's been rumored for that. But we're also forgetting, hey, w- let's not forget that we also have how many television series coming out that are based on Marvel and DC properties that are oh, brand new. Exactly. So they're not going anywhere. Yeah, so look, there's a lot we're going to talk about in terms of, you know, dead franchises and, you know, regurgitations that need to stop. But as far as superhero movie goes, they're fine. I think what this means, though, is 
So let me, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about three notable, I'm not going to say they were bombs, but they're notable disappointments. Ninja yes. Turtles, Star Trek, Independence Day, right? I think we, you and I can both agree that uh, box office not great for those three films. Uh, I, I, I was not going to go with Star. I didn't think you would put Star Trek in there. Uh, take a look at the worldwide gross. No, no, no. Not I, I was thought you were going to put X Men in there. No, nah, well, okay. When we get when we start breaking this down, I will tell you why X Men is doing just fine. But I mean, yes, it it was disappointing. But I'm talking about. But the three movies I mentioned with Turtles, Star Trek, and Independence Day. I mean, we're talking about borderline bombs. So. I think what you're going to see is because known property movies still dominate the top 10, I think you're going to see studios slash the budgets on these things dramatically. If we're, okay, um, if we're talking about Ninja Turtles right now, if we were basing yeah. our numbers off box office mojo, the total gross that I'm seeing right now is $81.9 million. The budget, Not good. The budget on this was $135 million. Um, that... Keep in mind the worldwide gross, though, and this is still not good, but it's you know it's just over two thirty nine million. That's still, I mean, it's not that's not good, but a little better. Yeah, if you give me just one second, out of curiosity, the twenty fourteen release, um, the estimated um, the U.S. gross for the first movie was one hundred ninety point eight million dollars with a hundred twenty five million dollar. Um, Budget now, of course, that's just U.S. numbers. So, just basing on the U.S. alone, that is almost it's it's down like, oh right. my well, that's goodness, a, that, it's like it down that, over a hundred and x over a hundred million dollars from the previous movie. Well, that's the thing. And look, I'm not going to pretend to be a, a studio executive here, and I don't know what goes into budgeting a film. All right, I'm not going to pretend to be an to be an expert. I will say though, like you're telling me you can't make a Ninja Turtles movie for under a hundred million dollars. And I think that's what studios are going to be looking at is these gro- like these ridiculous budgets are going to be slashed down because I wouldn't be surprised if you got a Ninja Turtles 3. It was just made for a lot less money. What's well, funny, uh, Danny, can we, can we just talk about the a budget, uh, especially going back to summer, tying it into about 20 years ago. Do you yeah, remember, yeah, remember yeah. that Waterworld? Remember, it was a $100 million budget and everyone's like, oh my God, it's a $100 million budget. Like... Our minds now are that's like blown. chunk change. Now it's like, <laughs> it's almost like for a summer movie, it's like standard. When a movie's made for under a hundred million dollars, people are like, "Oh my god!" Like that's a, that's like that's like they made it on the cheap. <laughs> well, let me you know just for fun, and I know this is it's different times, but just for fun, I have the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie pulled up here. Oh, is that uh, secret? Much- is that the first movie or the secret of the use? The, the first movie, not okay. Secret of the U's. Production budget for, and I understand, like we're talking about, you know, Way many years. Way different times, yes. But, but, but still, $13.5 million about to make that movie. six of those movies went to Corey Feldman for the voice of Michelangelo. <laughs> well, whatever. The point is, is that... Fourteen, $14 were spent Fourteen dollars were spent on Sam Rockwell being in that movie. Did he do the voice of Don and Tello now? I mean, I don't want to divulge no, into No, Sam Rockwell Feldman was actually a, a human being That's in that right. movie. Yep. Yeah. That's right, Sam. But look, we're getting... I don't think anyone wants to hear us talk about the 1990 summer box office. They want to hear us talk about the uh, 2016. Dan, if you ever but, want to do a 1990s summer box office podcast, I will totally do that with you. All right, we'll set it up. But uh, so I think that's one thing that could be a result of this is slashing budgets. I mean, I think that you will get a Star Trek four, but it's not going to be made for the money that they made it for this time around. I also think even though this isn't a big shocker, 
you might even see more animated movies getting made, I think, now. And we already get a ton, but Secret Life of Pets, that was, production that was budget, $75 million. That's all cast, I think. Cast. And, and probably. But, Dan, we're, we're forgetting the, the big one. Finding Dory, 478. Right, I just don't know, and US. I don't know how much. Yeah, right. That's just U.S. alone. Yeah. So let's, but let's go back to our our, our three busts, as we're calling it: Teenage Mutant, Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Independence Day, and the third one now escapes me. Star Trek. Uh, we were talking Sorry. about Star Trek. That is correct. I think the the Star Trek. Yeah, this one. Um, you know why? I, I I think we might not see a slashed budget for the Star Trek. Because I feel like this Star Trek was a big word of mouth hit. Because go, you, we all remember those first trailers. Where but like, it had a but it had a big drop off in the second weekend, and that's the thing. Oh, well, yeah, no, but I mean, didn't almost every movie have a big drop off in the second weekend this summer? Yeah, but Star Trek. But here's the problem: is Star Trek Beyond was one of the few movies that actually was. I mean, the critic. I, we could talk about the critical reaction this summer, which was just. An apo- which was an apocalypse, no pun intended. Oh. But, Star Trek, but Star Trek, but Star Trek Beyond was one of the movies that actually did well critically, and it had. I mean, but late, but fifty-eight percent drop off, and that was a movie that was getting good word of mouth and had a good cinema score. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that word of mouth came like three days before the movie opened. I think that your overall point might be right, though, because honestly, I think Star Trek Beyond, its biggest problem was, and this isn't my personal opinion, but suffering from the sins of the last movie, which many people hated, including Trek fans. Uh, well, well, if you ask our Trek fan, resident Trek fan, Lucas P. Jones, who will be editing this podcast, he hates all the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, but he really liked this one. Well, this was the one I thought bridged the gap between older stuff and newer stuff. It was a blend. It was a good blend of both. And it's, I mean, I guess this leads us into just my. I mean, I know you didn't see as many movies as I did. Uh, but, uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw two movies this summer, and we uh, podcasted about both of them. Uh, yes, and we podcasted about a third one, which I didn't see, which was great. Uh, and actually, people love that. So. Uh, I'm, I was fine with it. Uh, well, unfor- unfortunately for Dan, we're going to get to uh, Suicide Squad later. God, I hate that movie. But we, uh, you can listen gonna... to our Suicide Squad pe- podcast for that. Uh, but as far as the quality of the summer goes, I, look, after... Well, uh, Dan, just, we're actually, just, we're yeah, actually skipping the third movie that we talked about, which was a movie that you championed and were really about. And I, I want to get a little bit more of detail about it. 20 Ooh, years okay. in the making... Independence Day Resurgence um, released this year. Kind of had a cool Super Bowl ad, but man, the drop off of just like I felt like you know how like Suicide Squad had that opening week where people were like everyone was stoked, the reviews came out, and then everyone's like ugh, or, or start the opposite of Star Trek. It was like reviews right. came out and everyone's like ooh, this was the movie came out. And everyone's like oh, I don't care. <laughs> But still ended up in the top 25. It still grossed over $100 million domestically. Um, Independence Day Resurgence. I mean, that was a movie we talked about a number of times to- uh, for a while. It's just like, did you need this sequel? And I think. No, that- no. And this is coming from someone. And I you like love, the film. You love the first Independence Day. Well, I mean, a lot of people did. I mean, look, it has a special, special place in our hearts uh, that first Independence Day. And I okay, I want to just talk about with Independence Day Resurgence. 
Well, I enjoyed it. I gave it a very favorable view on Pop Break. But yeah, I yeah, think but you it, didn't, it actually you goes didn't like, back. Goes, you didn't kiss his ass. You were very honest no, about no, it. No, 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 no. But it was kind of like it did its job, okay? Like it was a fun return for a couple hours to the world of Independence Day. Here's what I don't get in terms of – because look, there are plenty of terrible movies this summer, okay? I don't personally think Independence Day was one of them. Although if you ask a lot of people, that would probably be in their top three of worst movies of the summer this year. But here's what I would say to that is if you were – if you liked – the first Independence Day, like I did, and then you saw this one and didn't like it, that confuses the crap out of me. I, I don't understand. What were you expecting? The second Independence Day, it's aliens come and attack, we fight back, the end. I, th- that's what it is. You know what I think it is? Is that people have, because just like me, people saw the first Independence Day back in 90, 1996 when they were like 10, 12 years old, whatever. And so that holds a special memory in their hearts. And so they're looking, they're looking for that kind of experience when they go to this one. 20 years later, you're a different person. It's not going to be the same experience. But in terms of quality, the two are very comparable. That's which, my Independence Day rant. Which perfectly seg- segues me completely unintentionally into oh, go- God. Ghostbusters. Uh, <sighs> and ladies and gentlemen. We have talked ad nauseum about Ghostbusters and Pop Break. Have we Kyle. really? I don't. I don't feel like we talked about it enough. I, I'm concerned. Well, here's the thing, Ghostbusters. I mean, we're talking about the same thing. People, uh, um, you can listen to our podcast, which will link all our summer movie podcasts in our post, which you can see on popbreak.com. Um, it's. I, I think that like that was the same thing. We ha- we're having the same argument about. We didn't have the same argument about Ghostbusters that we're having about Independence Day. You know what's uh, funny about Ghostbusters because, is, and is it because right this was a quasi reboot remake and not a true sequel? Well, I think okay. You know what I have to say about I can basically some of Ghostbusters like this. I know you like the film, but um, I'm liking so, it. I like it a little less a few months removed. Yeah, and that's the story of a lot of these movies this summer. But here's the thing with Ghostbusters. Well, like, it's like eating at a, a chain restaurant. You eat it, it's fine at the time, and then you kind of forget about it, you know? That's kind of how I feel about all the MCU movies. Oh, we'll get to that later. But You, are just, but I you think, just hate joy. <laughs> whatever. Uh, listen, listen. The the here, Here's the thing with Ghostbusters is I just think it's so funny that we talk every, and it's not just us. I mean, everybody talked about this movie. Controversy galore. But Dan, you know, but Dan, the thing about but then when Ghostbusters came out, no, everyone stopped. Two weeks later, like it all, it all went away. It, it was, was a whole. We all made a big deal about it, and it was completely forgotten about. It flopped. There will not be another one, and that's uh, it. That's that's the that's the last. And that's a, sh- and that's a shame, in my opinion. Yeah, and, no, 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 here, here's why. Uh, I spoke to uh, one of my best friends. He's he's in the film and television industry. He's a big, you know, he's a women's studies major at college, big feminist. And we both talked about this at, at, at over a couple drinks and some cheeseburgers at a Red Robin, uh, which, by the way, we're not sponsored by, but pretty good burgers. Um, there was a better movie in here. Of course, there was. But it, no, I mean, like even with what they had, like there were so many things. If they had taken the time to develop a little bit better. Particularly the uh, Kristen Wiig, um, Melissa McCarthy relationship. Um, they were too worried about ancillary things. Dan, one of the things that Dan brought up a lot in the podcast was 
Um, there were little, like, kind of breaking the fourth wall references that weren't need to be made. Uh, right. pl- placating with cameos. Instead of making them smart cameos, they made them placating cameos. Um, and the shame of the whole thing is, um, that we, me and my friend both talked about, was there's a good movie in here and there's a really good sequel to be made because the core of the film is the fact that these four actresses are very good together. There's a great chemistry between them and with a really great script. And since we now know that's what worked in the movie, everyone talked about, oh, they were all great together. There would have been a great second movie to capitalize on the, to atone for the sins of the first movie to take, you know, it's like a sports team. It's like, okay, we know what we did wrong. That's this season. Here's how we improve upon it. And they can improve upon it. But unfortunately, the box office office isn't there. And when you kind of look at the narrative of the whole thing, it's like, well, the nerds won. (laughs) Like, those guys or girls who were just left those hateful misogynist tweets and comments everywhere, it's like, oh, we have the power now. Not really. It was the fact that the word of mouth really wasn't there for this movie. I like this movie, Dan. You know that from the podcast. But I also wasn't shouting it from the rooftop that everyone had to drop what they were doing and see this movie. When I saw, and I'm going to hearken to one of your patron saints, the fact your fantasy football team is named after this. When I saw Inception, I saw it at midnight, and I told anyone who would listen to me they needed to see this movie. Ghostbusters, I didn't do that. I liked Ghostbusters. But I wasn't rushing out to tell people You need to see this movie. And that's a shame because the talent in that movie should have, and they tried really hard and we both agreed that they they worked, they outkicked their coverage on the script, but they just didn't have it, you know? I I told you, and we talked about it ad nauseum, is that I was rooting, you know I was rooting for this movie. Yes. I I really wanted to like it. And like we talked about a lot in the podcast, the cast is the best part. And I think you make a great point, though, is that sadly the naysayers won because the movie failed. But there is also – I mean I'll just be very honest with you. There is a part of me where I'm happy the movie didn't do well. It's not – and it's more because it's it's a sign that maybe studios are going to think twice about – regurgitating stuff that doesn't need to be regurgitated. We didn't need another Ghostbusters. I agree that a good film could have been made here and that would have been great. But as I said in my review, as I said in the podcast, I would have preferred to see these four women in something funny that was original. And I think the failure of Ghostbusters points a sign in the positive direction that maybe we will see more original scripts as opposed to stuff getting regurgitated like Ghostbusters, like Independence Day, like Ninja Turtles, even though this is stuff, some of it I enjoyed like this Like Now summer. You See Me Too. Right, yeah, right, which, I mean, did fine, which is actually one of the more better hits of the summer in that, like, it didn't lose money. But no, we didn't need that either. You know, so, and I think, here's the thing too, is I think you're right that it is sad that, you know, the misogynistic people won and that they were right, you know, ah, take that Ghostbusters. By the way, uh, Now You See to... Me Too did, uh, domestically, did lose uh, over $30 million. It, it was about a $30 million deficit. Okay, so not as good as I even thought. Yeah. I mean, I thought that movie would bomb, but but I think with Ghostbusters, I think Ghostbusters failed 
because it's not because of the whole female controversy, which honestly might have might have helped the film. And it may have done worse if it didn't have the controversy attached to it. I think Ghostbusters failed because people just couldn't take it that they were redoing Ghostbusters. I just I, I think I think that's why it was a you're ruining my childhood problem. Not this is starring for women problem. That's my opinion on Ghostbusters. Okay, Dan. Uh, so you know we could we could break down the months. We we've talked about some of the bigger themes of the summer uh, aside of well Suicide Squad, um, <laughs> which we'll get to. So let's 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 go back a little bit to um, the uh, box office releases. Should we do the little Wayne's World sound effect? You know. <laughs> Here, okay, going back in time two <laughs> yes, months ago. Yes, uh, I'm actually going to pull up. Hold on, I'm going to pull up my um, my article I had earlier. Uh, so we kicked off the summer. Unaf- I mean, even though it's not technically the summer, which I found out from multiple people that I wrote stories about this year, is like summer isn't started yet, bro. In May, um, for the big one, Captain America: Civil War. Uh, it, it, now here's the thing: if uh, people don't know anything about uh, the site or had not listened to our podcast previously, uh, we did podcast about this movie ad nauseum, uh, and uh, you know. So, Dan, uh, looking back on hindsight, 2020, how do you feel about Captain America: Civil War? And are you surprised that it was the number two movie of the summer? Domestically. Uh, right. I'm not surprised it was number two. I mean, look, it was it was either going to be Finding Dory or Captain America, and that's what happened. So I'm not shocked. I mean, so that was totally predictable. Um, I mean, I had predicted Captain America would be number one, but not a surprise. Okay, I wanted to say this about Captain America Civil War, and I had I had an epiphany about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or over the summer. I don't I I don't think I hate the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I th- what? Well, let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me, let me finish. I what I hate is the perception of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because these aren't like. I mean, I think a couple of the MCU movies are bad. Uh, I think Avengers: oh. Age of Ultron is a bad movie. I think uh, Thor: I The think Dark it's... World is a bad movie. I think we those agree. Are bad we, we, da- we definitely agree on that. Iron now, Man, Iron Man Two is not a very good movie either. Passable. I think Civil yeah, War barely, is yeah. is it, I feel the same way about it today as I did when we recorded that podcast, which is I think it's okay. You know, I think it's a six, six and a half out of ten. It's fine. Um, where I got really, but if you go back and listen to that podcast, I'm obviously rant, r- ranting and raving like a lunatic because we were right. We were recording that opening weekend of Civil War, and I had to be, get shoved in my face countless testimonials in countless articles of people saying it's the best superhero movie ever made. And that to me is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. And I think that's where my anger comes in. It it is the perception of the MCU. And if you go back and you really think about civil war bill, it opened, I mean, it didn't open that long ago. I mean, we were talking about may a few months ago. Are people really still talking about the greatness of captain America? I think captain America civil war is right in line with the opening statement you had in this podcast, is that you went there, you had a good meal, but that's pretty much it. I mean, if you go back to what I is actually the great... If the, you go back to what is actually the greatest superhero movie of all time, which is 2008, The Dark Knight, people were talking about that movie 
at nauseum for like two years after it opened. How many, you know, how many podcasts were recorded talking about the greatness of that film? And with Captain America not Civil as, War... Not as many so, because podcasts weren't as popular? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I mean, it was kind of the advent of when they were really starting oh, to hit home. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so look, that, that, that's really... That's what I have to say about the MCU. I don't hate the MCU movies. Because I, hate I know you're looking, you're looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I am, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to it. Kurt Russell, Sylvester Stallone. But I guess I, I, I'm, just, I'm just so tired of the hyperbole. I, can we just just look it was you know what it was an okay film and if you want to say it was good fine say it was a good movie but let's just calm down a little bit that's all i'm asking it's all i'm asking uh yes i i think uh the movie uh have i thought and about you, i know you like the film i mean do you uh, do you feel differently about it today than when you saw it a few months ago okay so as as we said earlier how i kind of feel a little differently about ghostbusters is i i don't sure. i don't feel like i my I mean, have I thought about uh, that a ton? I mean, wrong guy to ask. A lot of stuff happening this summer. Uh, a lot on my mind. Uh, but I have to say, like, I think the Civil War, if we're going back to the um, chain restaurant analogy, it's like that one time you're like, where you were like, wow, I had that really good thing that I liked there that I went back to and I enjoyed the shit out of it. And, uh, you know whether it's a dessert or whether it's a steak or whatever it is, man, it's just like, I, I still look back at Captain America and I'm just like, you know what? Still a good movie. It's Chili's. It's, it's like, Chili's. Oh, don't. There's nothing wrong with Chili's. There's nothing I'm wrong not, with I'm Chili's. I'm not a Chili's fan. So. Well, let me ask you, th- let me ask you this. Did, did, did Civil War have the staying power with you that Winter Soldier did? Well, okay. So Winter Soldier also, the time I watched it, also happened to come on stars for about um, six months straight. So I watched it a lot. Um, I know, and I, I've I've said this in a podcast that uh, Civil War is quite possibly my favorite Marvel movie. It's like one A one B with Winter Soldier. You mean Winter Soldier? I'm sorry. Yeah, Winter Soldier is like one A one B with Guardians. So um, it flip flops. Me too. Problem. Yeah. So I mean, just like it, it, it doesn't touch that. But I think like I'm I'm actually looking one of the few movies I'm like I'm really looking forward to watching that again when it comes on like VOD to be like okay. I want to see if this holds up. And, like, am I going to get the same reaction? Like, I'm looking forward to that. And there's not that many movies that, like, like especially this year, that I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, like, really want to see, like, if my opinion's going to change because I really like that movie. And I think that says something about the movie. And that's and look, I'm not I'm not gonna go on a big MCU rant here. I'll, I'll just say I'll just say this with Captain America: Civil War. No, we'll do that. For I think the, so. For the I think, Doctor Strange podcast. <laughs> we, yeah, we we will save that. But look, I think I think it's okay. I guess, and I just want to go back to the epiphany I had, which is let, let's just let's just stop jumping to conclusions on both sides of the spectrum. By the way, you know, greatest thing ever, worst thing ever. Let's not I, I kinda, Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's the hyperbole of, I think there's hyperbole of moviegoers too, and I, I'm, I'm extremely guilty of that. But I'm, I mean, I'm having seeing said, a, having seeing said a movie that, and you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Ha- having said that though, look, I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to take any big picture things away from the summer, MCU, it's kicking ass. The end. I mean, it's going to be kicking oh. ass for years to come. They're guaranteed hits. The end. Yeah, so let's move on in May. Uh, A movie we didn't really talk too much about, but a movie that really tanked this summer was, um, and 
it took me a while to find it, what it is, uh, Money Monster with George Clooney. And here's the question I'm going to pose to you, Dan. Uh, this is an early May movie for people who were like, I don't even remember that movie. Well, you're one of many. It's like it, a tank, though. It made 40. I mean, it wasn't like a runaway hit. I mean, like, I don't, like, that's But not... it was never going to be. I mean, I'm looking at, it, I'm looking at it now. It, uh, Production is... budget. And this is kind of – this is actually probably more summer movies that you might be seeing after we after this summer is that it's a $27 million production so it was budget. A, it was a big worldwide, w- worldwide gross was 93 though. That's, that's fine. But, I mean not but, great, not terrible. But here's the thing. Like I look at yeah. – and this is a, a bigger question that has been on my mind for a long time. I mean George yeah. Clooney, uh, he's a big star. But like his receipts at the box office have never been outside of the Oceans movies. Have they ever been that great? Like, but we, the age of the superstar is is dying, or it might even be dead. I mean, yes, you'll get you'll get you know you get a couple people every now and then. Like The Rock, right now, like yes. he's a legit star. Uh, I would say actually Leonardo DiCaprio is a big star in the sense that the Rev- the Revenant is the type of movie. That shouldn't make the money that it did. No, it shouldn't. Uh, so, but it, and it's a lot because of DiCaprio. You know, Will Smith not as much anymore. Still does okay. So look, I mean, it's the, the days of the like the superstar where you, yeah. can just you know where you can take an actor's name, you know, ten or fifteen of them in the nineties and just slap their name on it, and it's going to have like a 50, forty-five to fifty million dollar opening week, and that doesn't happen anymore. I, I know, but I mean, but the funny thing about George Clooney is we slap that uh, title to him, but I don't feel like any of his movies outside of the Ocean's movies have ever been these huge openings. You know what I mean? Like uh, maybe Michael Clayton, which a movie I love, um, but I feel like a lot of his other stuff has never he's never been this huge opener. I think that's fair. He probably only he, – I don't like think he's weird... done a lot of big franchises though. So his movies that he's in, yeah. the production budgets like Money Monster are probably low. And so he's – it's not like – there's not a lot of pressure on him to really you know, make those big – to make those big money movies. But I think your point is definitely fair. He's what? not as great of a star as we thought he was I guess. Yeah, because I feel like that movie came out – this movie came out and I was just like, wow, I feel like that's the wrong – this is the wrong month for it to come out. I felt like that was a fall movie. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, a very. By the way, a very underrated George Clooney movie, Ides of March, with your boy. Yeah, it is very good. Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling, very good in that movie. Awesome in yeah, that movie. That's a good movie. Uh, okay, so moving on from there, then we had um, a movie I thought that was going to be a, a bigger hit than it really was, and we were talking about animated movies earlier. Was, <laughs> yeah, this was is, the, uh, probably my worst. This is before you say the movie. This was my worst call of the summer in terms of box office predictions go ahead um the angry birds movie yeah well, i i and i'll be honest with you Dan, i don't I, know I, what I, the hell happened I, I that's the thing it was like one of these movies where you're like oh this is like of course it's gonna make a, a ton of money like it's printing its own money it has little birds on the cover it was a popular app like like uh, my nieces went to see it like i mean they were they, lo- they loved it but they're they're the age demographic but I felt well, like this is the thing. I'm, yeah, no one I'm saw at the it. box office. You're you're right, but I but even then, this is why I think you know you could get in a few years a summer movie season where every weekend there's an animated movie because I'm even even so, and this definitely disappointed. But production budget here seventy three million 
And the worldwide gross was over three forty six. So I I don't think anyone I don't think anyone in the Angry Birds camp is complaining too much. Right, but it did very well in the foreign sense. Yeah, but and I feel like that's really what's carrying a lot of these movies. It's just like it's the foreign box office because like I mean in America that was it was a very it it like the hype for it like I mean maybe because I see more of these commercials because I have a kid and there was a ton of hype for this movie. I felt maybe it was a little, it came out a little late due to the fact like that app was more popular a few years ago. But yeah, just, I mean, if you just look at the American box office, $107 million, nothing to sneeze, sneeze at. But well, like, let me write the epitaph on Angry Birds movie. Uh, I think we can just say that hit, but yeah. I it definitely, I think you're right though. It, it could have done better. Uh, speaking of movie that could have done better at the open that weekend, Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, of course. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, of course it could have done better. Um, of course, it, it probably. I have, have nothing a huge else bust. to say on neighbors too. Yeah, whatever. But you will be kissing the ring of Seth Rogen later. Oh, in this we'll podcast. get. We 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 will get there. Oh yes, we will. Uh, uh, another movie the, I want to talk about the, that opened that weekend: The this, Nice Guys. Yeah, weird time for it to open. I thought didn't do that great. And this is a movie that I well, Russell Crowe. I think uh, it. yeah, but Russell Crowe. I mean, if we're going back to the George Clooney argument, Russell Crowe is not. Russell Crowe anymore at the box office hasn't been for a long time, and Ryan Gosling. I mean, I mean you and I both like Ryan Gosling a lot, and I think his um, what's the fall movie he has coming up? It's the Hollywood Musical. Oh, uh, La La Land. Uh, that that definitely has potential for uh, lots of awards oh, coming that, its way. That has, uh, we'll get there in our in our uh, fall preview podcast, which I think we're planning on doing. And oh, uh, we will get we will get there. Yeah, so that's cool. And uh, but I think that was this was definitely another fall movie that should have happened. I, I mean, like or early early year movie, like where it could have like where people were kind of bored with the box office or was nothing really happening, and they could be like, oh, you know what, this movie looks cool. Whereas against a time when people are saving their pennies to go see the big box office movies, I totally agree with you. This was a head scratcher because, and I. I, th- I thought the movie was okay. I know everybody just bowed down and praised the nice guys. I thought it was a, I, like a very I, JV Big Lebowski, I but mean, the movie domestic, did not do domestic uh, domestic box office of about thirty six million, budget of fifty. I mean, it probably made up some on the end no. of of the foreign market, but I mean, word of mouth word of mouth did not carry it. Well, I don't think it, it just was not the type of movie people are going to go see in the summer, you know. It should have been like a September movie. You're 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 dead on. Yeah, uh, and then we skip through and talk about a, a still made money, but talk about a franchise like a sequel that came out like super late. Um, Alice Through the Looking Glass did not help that uh, the Johnny Depp stink kind of lingered around it. Um, but yeah, you yeah. you were dead on about this one. We talked about in our summer preview. You thought this. I mean, I th- I didn't like. I thought it would do okay. Here's the thing. I this movie, I still can't believe this. That the first one, I mean, it was six years ago, but I think the first one made over a billion dollar dollars worldwide. That's ridiculous. Hey. This one uh, didn't quite get their bill, just under three hundred million worldwide. So a bit of a drop off. Yeah, as but they if, say. You, if you look at the uh, <laughs> domestic box office, it's a hundred million dollar loser. 
I mean, obviously the foreign makes up for it, but man, it did not resonate. No, this was a, this was this was a flop, 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 floppity McFlop. I mean, th- there's no other way to put it. And I I think I predicted it would make like I don't know. I think I said like 160 domestic, something like uh, that. Yeah. But that was you have to understand. Okay, I, I slashed off more than half of what it made of what the first one made. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, talk about a movie that I don't know. Whatever the first one made a billion dollars and. Everybody forgot about it. It, it was a different. Uh, it was a different time. I mean, that was a time when Johnny Depp was super hot, kicking ass. And, yeah. uh, and then, unfortunately, you know, he he has this this controversy pops up with his wife, or I think now ex wife. Um, we're not, and we're not here to comment on that, but you know, and the fact that he has made a lot of duds, and um, you know, I don't think the first. I think the first people saw that first one, and then they came out of this that movie with the bad taste in their mouth. I sure I know I did. And uh, they were like, "Man, I'm not going to go see the sequel, especially since it's six years later." You know, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Johnny Depp fan. I never have been. I mean, I liked, I liked his work in the early '90s, just like everybody else did. But, I, but since you know, for but for like the last ten years, I just don't think the guy has done. And I know everybody liked him as Whitey Bulger. I thought he was okay as Whitey Bulger, I mean, uh, but I think a, put, it was just a bad movie. It, it it was not a good movie, so I'll, I'll you know I'll, I'll say he was probably a victim of that oh, of yeah. just not being a part of a very good movie. But look, the proof is in the pudding here. I mean, we'll see what the next pirate does. I mean, we all thought that the fourth pirates movie was going to tank, and it's still cleaned up. So we'll see what happens. I guess people are probably still going to want to see him as Jack Sparrow, but maybe, maybe, as the Mad Hatter, maybe no. So, uh, so then we're going to talk about a movie that uh, we touched upon earlier in the podcast, and that's X Men Apocalypse. So I want to be clear about this. X-Men Apocalypse, I thought, was a great movie, especially in this summer. It was definitely above the fray. But no, I'll admit it. Like, as a huge X-Men fan, it was a little bit disappointing, especially coming off of Days of Future Past and even going back further with X-Men First Class. You know, this was certainly a cut below those, but still a great X-Men movie. Great characters. Michael Fassbender was amazing. But I don't – what I really want to talk about though is the box office. There's this big myth that X-Men Apocalypse was this huge failure and uh-oh, is the X-Men franchise in trouble? No, everybody relax, all right? Was it disappointing when you compare it to Days of Future Past? Yes, absolutely it was. But you're still – I'm looking at it right now. Cut me a break. We're, we're still looking at a movie that made over $540 million dollars on a production budget that was 178, I word of mouth hurt a little bit. The X Men franchise is gonna be just fine. You got Deadpool, which everybody loves right now. We're getting another Wolverine film. Uh, the producer and writer uh, Simon Kinberg has already talked about how he's hard at work on the next X Men movie that's gonna take place in the 90s. So for all you you know out there praying and hoping that X Men is just gonna fold and it's gonna go back to Marvel and yeah, yeah, yeah it's doing just fine. X-Men rant over. Here's my question in regards to that. I, I know it's just fine, but like if I look at like what the other X-Men movies have done, like why even going into this, why didn't this connect? Why do you think this didn't connect as huge as the other movies have? I think, well, I think a big part of it was that days of future past had two very, very great things going for it. And, and number the word of mouth, I remember from, you know, general consensus, I remember on future past was like, Oh, everyone loves this movie. Well, yeah, that, that's one of them is that the word of mouth was amazing. But the second one was 
I, I don't want to say it was a gimmick because you know I love that film and it was great storytelling. But the quote, the gimmick was that it was doing something that we hadn't really ever seen before, which was uniting the two casts. I think that really attracted a lot of eyeballs. So when you look back at it, you know, X-Men Apocalypse, it didn't have that. This had to rely more on the newer cast, which look, which hasn't connected. Well, it has connected with a lot of people because Fassbender and McAvoy, that X-Men era brought a lot of lapsed people back after X-Men Origins Wolverine, but I don't think it had the connection that, you know, X2 did or X-Men 3 uh, when you look at First Class and Apocalypse. But having said that, yes, the box office was down from the last film, but the X-Men franchise as a whole is still, in my opinion, kicking ass and taking and taking some names. Not taking all names, but taking some names. So uh, two, two, I'm questions, not two questions yeah. I had about... Uh, sure. we'll, we'll move on soon from right after this. Is... Um, was did the box office hurt because of these two things? One, the um, close, uh, how close it was released to Captain America, and two, um, the kind of people burning out on Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, well, with Captain America, I don't think so. I mean, you're talking still about a few weeks. I think the Captain America hype had died down a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I guess if there was maybe one week or two week separation. I guess maybe it could have made a little bit of difference, but I don't think so. I, people were pretty geared up for X-Men Apocalypse. I don't, I don't think the Jennifer Lawrence thing hurt it I, because she's – I mean it's tough to say. I can definitely – I know that there's a fatigue going on with Jennifer Lawrence. I just don't think there was a lot of people who are going to say, I'm not going to go see X-Men because I'm sick of Jennifer Lawrence. She was one of the selling points of this movie – but not the primary selling point. See, I thought she um, was the primary selling point. No, 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 no. It was still all about Magneto and Professor X and introducing the new X-Men like Cyclops and Jean Grey. Well, reintroductions, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. I don't think Jennifer Lawrence scared people off. Uh, I do. I, now, I will. where I will agree with you, though, is I think if she was the focal point of the next movie, I guess you could see the fatigue really set in. But... By all accounts, Jennifer Lawrence is not going to be in this franchise anymore. And I just want to say, I enjoyed her as Mystique in the fir- in her oh, first two films. Sure, I did too. Yeah. Apocalypse. Not yeah, I admit it. She she was mailing in, but they also it was one of the characters that didn't get a lot of good material in X Men Apocalypse. So look, I think, and with Mystique, it's a it's a great character because you can basically cast whoever the hell you want. So they can easily transition into another actress. Uh, for that role, so we'll be just fine. X-Men is doing just fine. Leave X-Men alone. Okay, well, we already talked about Ninja Turtles, and so we'll skip that, and moving on. Well, let me, uh, like, can I, I just want to say one quick thing about Ninja Turtles. I, I mean, I liked it for what it was. I got to see Krang. I appreciated that much better than the first one, and I guess, I guess when you take a look at the Ninja Turtles box office, I think I underestimated how much people really did not like that first movie because I think that's a big reason why this one didn't do well. So will we get a Ninja Turtles 3? Maybe, but I, I'm kind of at peace with Ninja Turtles. I saw Krang. I'm ready to move on. Oh, don't worry. We'll get a, we get a Transformers movie before Ninja Turtles comes out. Yay. Uh, <laughs> if, you've ever read the, if you've read the site for years or if you want to go back in time, you could see a lot of hate for Transformers from a lot of people. I, I like the fourth one. I I, I gave. I mean, it's on you record. Did. It's on record. I gave a positive review to the fourth Transformers movie. You did. 
That is absolutely correct. Uh, now, the uh, weekend of June 7th, we saw a whole bunch of sequels and a, um, a franchise that was finally put into film a long time coming. It was the three with the triple threat of The Conjuring 2, Now You See Me 2, and Warcraft. Uh, the Conjuring 2, I mean, hey, it did what you thought it was going to do. Made over $100 million domestically. First, one's, first one, I think, made more money. Uh, but, you know, horror sequels are not always like the first one. The second one out tops the first one. Low budget, high return. Studios love them, the horror movies. And you'll see about six more of these movies. Uh, oh, yes, you will. Now You See Me Too, we kind of touched upon that already. But the movie I really want to talk about is a movie you you've taken a unique perspective on is Warcraft. I liked Warcraft. Now, does it, does it have issues? Yeah, it does. But I, you know, you can go back, you know, you can link to the review and I thought it was a solid movie. And I really, where I really got bent out of shape with Warcraft is this, is this was to me, one of these movies that critics made up their minds about before they saw it. They saw it was a video game movie and so when they went to sit down, this is just my opinion, but they didn't want to pay attention because so many of the complaints for Warcraft was that this story doesn't make any sense. Like it's so jumbled. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sorry, that's just in my opinion, that's just not the case. If you sit down and you actually, <gasps> heaven forbid, pay attention to the movie, it's actually not a bad little story. And this was a movie, believe me, I was coming in, I was dreading reviewing this movie. I thought it was going to suck. Was this, on, it was, was this on your like? Was this? Did this make one of your superlatives of like a movie? This movie's gonna blow. It, it, it made. It made. It, it was in contention for uh, the blow a potential bags award. flop. No, no, no. Just kind of the a flop award. But actually, if you look at the international gross, actually, it, this one didn't do too shabby. But Warcraft. You know, I'll just say this: where I appreciated Warcraft is it's a movie that isn't boggled down in exposition. And that's why I appreciated it. Yes, a lot of the, it suffers a lot of the problems that fantasy movies suffer, which is kind of boring human characters. But even as the movie goes along, they get more interesting. This is, you know, it's a movie I would stress to people, g- give it a chance on VOD. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. From a visual and aesthetic standpoint, this movie is freaking gorgeous to look at. The first 10 minutes is, is awe-inspiring. Uh, so, and I also want to credit the director of this, Duncan Jones. This was one where if you had a, if you had a bad director at the helm, yes, this thing would have been the mess that everybody said it was. But I think Duncan Jones, I mean, you're talking about a caliber director who was actually able to cobble together here a solid movie. So, uh, you know what? I'm glad that it made some decent coin um, internationally. And, uh, yeah, go, go check out Warcraft on VOD. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, now, now we're going to move into a weekend, uh, is the weekend of uh, just a few weeks before, um, 4th of July weekend, or actually it might've been the weekend before. Um, it's the weekend of June 24th. We already talked about Independence Day, but I also want to talk about what I think was probably the surprise movie of the summer. Um, kind of came out of nowhere and made some good money and made a lot of fans was The Shallows. Um, I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, no, this was one I missed, and uh, I, I think I, you know, I do, I do want to check it out. Um, yeah, it got, it was really, it was very well reviewed. 
and the worldwide gross is looking pretty good, just over eighty-four million on a seventeen million uh, production budget. So, yeah, it's 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 you know kind of like we talked about with the Conjuring. I mean, these horror movies, it's just they they make them for not a lot of money, and they're usually good for a nice return. And so I, you're I, always you're always going to see movies like this in the summer. Which was crazy because like I remember seeing this coming out, and I was like, oh man, I don't think this is gonna. I don't think it's going to do anything, but uh, here's the funny thing, and, and uh, this is—I want to use this as a pivot point to a bigger argument—is like, how much are we listening to our audiences listening to critics now than before? I feel like for years we kind of put them on mute because, like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm going to see that movie. I feel like now it's like, especially if you see Rotten Tomatoes rated X amount percent fresh, you know, like. Right. Even studios are marketing towards that. Are pe- why are people listening? I think more now to critics than I think ever before. Well, we had we had a big conversation about this in the summer preview podcast. Was that Rotten Tomatoes? I'm glad is I having a, that. <laughs> it, it, but no, no. But it, it, it's having it was having a huge influence on some of the box office for for these movies. I mean, I guess yes and no because. All right, well, you'll take a look. We'll get into Suicide Squad more in detail later. But, you know, you take a look at that one, and the opening weekend was still ridiculous. I mean, it broke the August record. But we said this in the in the Squad podcast where I felt like it was actually headed towards a bigger opening weekend than it even did. And I think the reason why it fell short a little bit uh, was because of the reviews. Um, you could say the same thing about BVS, you know, talking about another DC film. So there's no doubt that, you're right. It's having an influence on things. Um, I think that, you know, like if you look at Star Trek Beyond, like we talked about, it was one of the few movies that actually had a good Rotten Tomato score. And even though Star Trek, it did, I don't think it did very well. It was a box office disappointment. There's no doubt. Quite honestly, though, I think it, I think it could have been even worse if it didn't have the reviews that it did. I mean, it still brought in like a nice little 59 million opening weekend. If you're talking about bad reviews for Star Trek Beyond, I mean, you you could be talking about a colossal bomb. And I think the reason why people are looking at reviews now more than they ever did is really is it's simple. It's now they have a very specific number that they can look at on whether or not they should go see a movie. I mean, that's you know, you didn't have those 15, 15 years ago and now you do. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a flawed system. I think that's a whole nother discussion for another day. The score that you really want to look at, in my opinion, in Rotten Tomatoes is not the tomato number. It's the little number below that, which is the average rating. I think that is a more accurate depiction of the quality of the film. Uh, but that is a discussion for a whole nother day. Two films we forgot to speak about that released in mid-June. You did, yeah. I was going to say, you yeah. uh, you asked a couple big ones. Yes. Well, one of them was Finding Dory. We'll get to that one first. I mean, and if you look at... Really surprised it did well. I wasn't expecting big numbers from Finding Dory. I don't know how about you. I don't know what you thought, but... Uh, yes. That's a joke. That's a joke, people. <laughs> yeah. The I think what I was a little surprised at... I didn't see this one, by the way. This is one I missed. I, I, I'll be seeing that because my daughter is obsessed with Finding Dory. Um, is that it's the highest grossing Pixar movie of all time. Um, is, that, is that really? So it'd be I'm Toy looking, Story 3. Uh, handily, right now. Uh, right now oh. it's at 478. Toy Story 3 closed out of 415. Uh, and what about inter- now international? Like, what about worldwide gross here? Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at American. Uh, it's all right. 
so I mean that's it's pretty awesome. I mean um, now if they do uh, if you look at adjusted for ticket inflation, Finding Nemo, yeah, well, edge yeah. it world actually. I'm sorry. So worldwide, it looks like Toy Story three still, um, but. That's not the, uh, I, I, I was surprised. I, I was wondering. It did how very it, well. It did extremely well. Sorry, and but Mike, I did have some concerns. Believe it or not, because I felt like our audiences are, are going to flock to this movie. You know, X amount of years over ten years later, and I thought we both thought they would because it had a nice market of people loved it. Like my age, who when I saw it was in college. Now I have a kid. My kid's a little too young to go to movies. So. Um, People I know from my college age have kids who go to the movies, so you know I was I was wondering if it would be this runaway hit or would it get you know kind of a sluggish summer? Was it going to make that much? I mean, well, you it, know, actually, when you look at it now, um, you asked me at the beginning of the podcast, like, are you surprised that Finding Dory beat Captain America? Uh, I guess looking back on it, I mean, we all, look, we we both knew that Finding Dory was obviously going to clean up here, but no, I guess I. I guess when you look at the total box office, four seventy eight. I didn't. I did not expect it to do that well. I thought like I, don't I know, thought it would be number ninety. Th- okay, know? so uh, if, if people don't know who didn't listen to our first podcast, Dan and I predicted that Finding Dory, Captain America, and Suicide Squad would be the top three, with Secret Life of Pets having the definite potential to bump into. We predicted them. the right top four in some semblance of order. Correct. However, if you look at it for a box office mojo right now, it's Finding Dory, Captain America. Secret Life of Pets and Suicide Squad. I thought Suicide Squad would handily be the number one or number two movie, and I well, thought we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. But yeah. no, no. But I'm saying, like when we were looking at a vacuum back then, it would like Finding Dory. I thought would be number three. Uh, now we move on to Dan's favorite movie, a movie he has <sighs> referenced in, in, in terms of his bio for the summer, and that was Central Intelligence. I, I hate this movie. It is Dwayne just the, the epitome Johnson. of everything I hate about comedy right now. Lazy, not funny, cheap jokes. It, I, I just, and, and then also it tries to get all serious. I detest this movie. I guess I'm not shocked that it did the box office that it did because people love The Rock right now. They also love Kevin Hart. It did seem like a good match made in heaven. I just, but, I, but weren't we also talking about? We're gonna get a sequel to this. I can't believe this. I, I just, I really, really do not like this. Did film. we talk about this could be the Rock's first bomb? Like this was a big test for him. And we Kevin did, Hart. yeah. I mean, we we did talk about how you know. Well, I mean, come on, you you watch the trailer. Are you gonna tell me those trailers were good? No. Yeah, no. especially that first scene. But that's where what I, but fat I think, GI. I think that was yeah. the. I think that was a surprise. I think that's probably one of the surprises of the summer from our podcast was the fact we're like. These trailers are so bad, and even though The Rock and Kevin Hart have cachet, even though Kevin Hart's last few movies didn't do that great, um, I think we were both surprised to see it. Like, I mean, I was surprised to see it within the top ten. I was like, I could see this movie making sixty-five, seventy, but you know, it's made as of right now one hundred and twenty-six. So, I mean, like, I'm surprised it made that much. You're always, but this this happens every year. Is there's always going to be one random comedy that just surprises? Whether it's Ted, you know, whatever. Now this year it's Central Intelligence. It always happens. There is always that little. The it's like the little engine that could, the little comedy that could that sneaks into the top ten. You know, The Hangover was that movie a few years ago, obviously famous famously. So look, it's it's surprising and not surprising. 
if you were to tell me which comedy would would get into the top ten, I would not have picked Central Intelligence. But at the same time, I can't I can't say I'm completely shocked. I think uh, I think the, the it is that, what it is. That little comedy that could is a movie we're going to talk about later from July. Um, right, right. Uh, um, so then we move into just at the end of June. I think this was the big surprise the surprise weekend because you opened the BFG. Which didn't do that good. I told you that would flop in our in our in our preview podcast. Right, but trailers it was an yawn yawn fest yawn it was fest. An animated movies, so it had the upside. Uh, the Legend of Tarzan, I felt was going to make zero dollars. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think it was going to make much at all. <laughs> I thought I thought it was going to be like, and I'm just going to pull something out that's that's low. That's like, hey, this was a a known movie. I don't like an eleven three that Ben Hur's made or. Um, you know, Dude, this the, was my the, pick for flop the, of the summer. This the, was my the, battleship memorial flop of the summer award. Okay, so the BFG, which we just mentioned, uh, made fifty three million dollars. Warcraft, we mentioned a, a few minutes ago, forty seven million dollars. That's where I thought Tarzan was going to land, not the one hundred and twenty five million. I mean, that was a quiet hit because I don't, you know, I remember people being like, "Oh shit, I got to go see this fucking Tarzan movie." You know what I mean? Like, it just is like a quiet hit movie. I think it was one of okay. I think the success of Tarzan can be accounted for a couple of things. First of all, as it turns out, I think it opened one week after Independence Day, so the roll off from the previous week it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise because nobody liked Independence Day, which completely fell off the map. So its competition actually wasn't too bad. And that, uh, and that also, actually was I, the, the that was actually a Fourth of July weekend release, technically. Right, right, and I think all, I think this is one of those movies that everybody and their mother was predicting this would be the bomb of the summer. It wasn't just me. I mean, did we really get to a point where we predicted it was going to bomb so bad that it actually like circled back around and turned out to be an okay hit? Was it just a case of expectations were so low? That people were like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to check out The Legend of Tarzan. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you because, know what? Yeah, because, I mean, tar- it's not like this Tarzan cachet. You know, that people are like, you know what? I remember that last Tarzan movie. That was well, good. I think you were, you were ranting about it in the podcast, in our last podcast, saying, like, the last time Tarzan was relevant, I think, was, like, the 1930s or, so- or something. And the movie That's looked like garbage. It looked like, it looked like, you remember Pan from last year? I mean, this it. looked like absolute garbage. I and I reviewed the film. It was okay. When I say I gave it like a, I think I gave it a five. I mean, that's like the upset of the like the summer. Okay, I was like, at, I was thinking Legend of Tarzan, best case scenario, I was gonna give this movie a three and a half. So look, I mean, I guess. I guess to wrap up the Legend of Tarzan, I think that I expectations think uh, were so low. That I think we all kind of shrugged our shoulders and said, "Yeah, it was fine." I mean, we're not talking about a box office here that that lit lit up the sky. I mean, you know, it, it was a one one eighty million production budget and domestic, you know, one twenty five. But I think where people are saying, like, "Well, you know, it's actually it didn't do too badly," is because expectations were were dog poop. So it is what it is. Uh, then writing out that weekend, uh, to no surprise to anyone, the Purge election year uh, ra- ranked raked in in the top twenty five, almost an eighty million dollar gross. I mean, that I'm was... really looking forward to seeing the Purge seven uh, in five years. I I am too. 
Uh, then we go to the weekend of July eighth, which was Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Um, I think I have. I feel like the the, the studios. You were really like, want you really want to pick on this movie? Like you have some vendetta against Mike and Dave need wedding. I, dates. I think I just what did like, Mike and Dave ever do to you? I just don't think I like the other guy in that movie, like fake Jack Black. I always call him not Zach Efron, the other guy who was in. Uh, He's in that uh, Comedy Central thing that everyone loves. Uh, he's been in a million and a half movies. He's been in Pitch Perfect. And I don't know. I just call him fake Jack Black. Um, I feel like this movie like was marketed as like, oh, guys, guys, this is the hangover. This is what you wanted. This is the hangover, guys. It wasn't the hangover. <laughs> you know, it's like. All I right. Well, to be fair, I didn't see it. I actually, I thought it looked kind of funny. Um, I mean, it's probably one I'm not going to check out anytime soon, but I don't know. I think Aubrey Plaza is funny. I like Anna Kendrick. Uh, uh, I like him Zach too. Efron is hit or miss. You know, I think I think he's okay in these kind of you know frat boy comedies. You so, want to see a good yeah. Zach Efron comedy? Watch that awkward, the awkward truth. So you know, I thought it had a decent cast. Um, I mean, the movie didn't bomb, but it certainly it didn't fine. do well. Then there was the Secret Life of Pets that really I think was the outside of. I think that was the movie that stuck. Like, if we're talking, we've talked about this movie, the summer of forgettable movies. I, I think Dory stuck with people. And I really think Secret Life of Pets stuck with people. There was a lot of people, a lot of adults liked it, and the kids obviously loved it. Uh, well, this, I mean, this, this was the guaranteed hit of the summer. I mean, you saw, you see that first trailer, and you instantly know the money in the bank. I, this, this, this shocked nobody. Yeah, and also you throw Louis C.K. in for the adults, and everyone's like, oh, I'm going to see that. Uh, now we, we scroll through a lot of stuff. There's Ghostbusters. I don't think we really need to rehash anything with Ghostbusters. Uh, well, was... let me, let me, I, I will ask you one question about Ghostbusters. Cause sure. I, I think I, I, cause honestly, I think at this point I, I might retire from talking about this movie after this, but oh, not for our end of year podcast, buddy. Uh, I guess that's true. Well, we'll I'll, we'll just, take I'll just like ask... two minutes to it. So. I, I, I'll just, I'll just ask you this. Do you think we'll get a sequel to this movie? Yes or no? I think. <sighs> It really, I mean, it really depends on that foreign uh, box office, but I just don't see it happening because if I'm a studio, I'm like, I was playing this out with a friend of mine. I was like, if I'm yeah. a studio, studio head, why do I want to go through this crap I just went through? Like, I, I, I just went through so much shit just getting this movie released, the backlash, all this crap that happened with it. Well, here's the thing. Why it's do not, I want to do it you know, again? When you, look at the, when you look at the reviews and you look at the word of mouth, I mean, the movie... Basically, people had your reaction, which was, yeah, I liked it, but people didn't like it enough where, as you were saying before, I'm going to tell my friends about it. You know, I'm going to tell everybody I know to see this. That didn't happen. It's a tough sell for a studio to sink a lot of money into, and I think it's even a tougher sell to get audiences back out for that movie. I think the only way this gets a sequel is if they do what I talked about earlier, which is – they're going to slash the budget in half. And, you know, I think at that point, then you're really going to get a cheaply made Ghostbusters movie. And you still have to pay that cast. So, look, Ghostbusters, rest in peace. It is what it is. I don't think it's... It's a movie that we didn't need to see. Stick to the original, the end. Oh, so also released that weekend, I don't know if you saw it or not, was Cafe Society. 
Ability, yeah, Alan, limited re- limited release. I didn't catch that one. Um, Posit- I'm very, sure it's very. Um, I heard it was um, it was okay. You could read our review on PopBreak.com. Also released that weekend is a documentary I watch called Lucha Mexico. And if you're a big Lucha Libre fan or Mexican or a wrestling fan in general, it's a very good documentary to check out. Currently on VOD. Uh, then the 13th, the Infiltrator came out. That was with Brian Cranston. Uh, it did pretty. St- Pretty decent box office. Yeah, supposedly it's pretty good. Didn't I, that's one I would have liked to have. Uh, I would have liked to have seen. Yeah, an uh, odd, I'll probably an catch odd, it on VOD. An odd time to release that movie, the midst yeah. of July. I think probably. I think the studio probably looked at it and said, "Like, well, it's good, but not an Oscar movie." So here's, maybe here's, it, 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 you sometimes release these movies to catch people off guard. Where maybe well, they, they want a little bit of a change of scenery well, from the explosion. One movie that was that pushed stuff, so. would push back. Thankfully, right. was the Michael Keaton film about the founder of McDonald's, which, which made no sense. I don't know why they were thinking about releasing that in August, and rightfully so. They were like, "Yeah, we're morons. This is going to win Oscars," and now it's coming out in December as it should. So here's the, know, here's the movie I think was one of the big disasters of the summer. Uh-oh. Was uh, Ice Age. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to shed a tear for the Ice Age franchise. This was no, their no, no, fifth no. film. Yeah, I think but... we can finally say that's it for Ice Age. I think they've gotten. I think they've drained the soul out of this franchise more than they ever dreamed possible. Yes, uh, I mean, I'm just looking at it. it had a, it's a hundred five million dollar box office. Um, I mean, worldwide, it looks like it's made two ninety two. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm seeing 314 here okay. worldwide. I'm, I so, think I'm just looking at it wrong. But here's the thing: it's like uh, usually those Ice Age movies they're up in the top, close to top ten, if not top inside the top ten. So I mean, this movie, this series lasted way longer than it ever should have. I mean, this should have been a straight, a straight to DVD available at Target and Walmart years ago. Um, but at the yeah. bottom of the at the bottom of the bargain bin. Look, I credit to the Ice Age franchise that they were able. I mean, this one looked like it profited okay. So look, congratulations on draining out a little little bit of money from a fifth Ice Age movie. But at this point, I mean, the the franchise is called Ice Age. I think the planet has frozen over by now. I mean, can we please move on? I, has <laughs> is the squirrel ever going to catch that damn nut? I never watched any Ice Age movies, so I don't care. I haven't either. So he was—he's actually in space in this one. I think I'm not even kidding. Yeah, well, great. Uh, well, and then, within a new horror franchise was launched this year, thanks to uh, Lights Out, which made over sixty million dollars—about sixty-four million dollars. Again, generic horror movie. Teresa Russell, who is—I think it's no, it's Teresa Russell. I don't think that's even the right name. Um, it, it, you know, it's another generic horror movie, which we're going to see about sixteen incarnations of Teresa Palmer. Well, a, I should say she's a, a Kristen Stewart clone, basically. Um, you know, this made a lot of money. I mean, it had a budget of oh my god, it had a four point nine million dollar budget, and it made uh, sixty four million dollars. So yes, massive hit. Yeah, I mean, think about how much Suicide Squad is making, but it's probably not. It's probably not going to be as profitable as this movie. And we've we've talked about the Star Trek movie uh, quite a bit. Uh, of course, that also saw absolutely fabulous. The movie came out. No one was planning on seeing that anyway, uh, unless you love that show. Uh, Can I uh, ask you one question about Star Trek that I did with Ghostbusters? Will we get a fourth Chris Pine and crew Star Trek movie? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I, I think I think I, what's going to happen I is think, 
I they're think. not going to open it in the summer. That that's my prediction. I think it's going to kind of be off on its own in like the no. spring. I, I think I think it should be an. I think they should release it a nice March, like first yeah. weekend in March. That's that has be... the box office to itself. And I think where the difference is is that now you're coming off of one that everybody liked, um, as opposed to Into Darkness, which not a lot of people did. So you got Trek fans more on board. I think there'll be more of an excitement. And yeah. it was it, it, it for me. It was easily the second best movie the summer. I mean, you can read my review. I, I, I loved it. It was, and I, I loved all three of these Star Trek movies. I'm a big fan. Uh, I think they're three for three. I really do. It's an unbelievable cast. I like, I like the first two. So, I think I think if you see a fourth one, it will you will start. I mean, sadly, we lost Anton Yelchin, who I, I like yeah. as an actor. Had He's sucked. really good in this one. Yeah, I, kind of, I know. I heard that, and it just sucks. It's a freak accident. Um. But I think you're going to start seeing some of the cast is going to start going away. Probably, but yeah. I think I think they're going to do another one. But I, I I think the smart thing is keep it out of the summer. I don't disagree. Now here's where I talk. We were talking about the Hangover before uh, the end of we're in the end of July, and here's yep. where I think the hang, the Hangover movie was, and that was Bad Moms. Did um, really well, eighty five, eighty five million. That that movie was. It just looks funny. It, it it looks like this was the and it was a, a smartly. It, it was a twenty million dollar budget. I mean, it made its money back in the first weekend. Uh, it, this was a smart movie. It's just like this was a movie. It's a summertime. Moms are going to get a mom's night out. They're going to go see this movie. I, I, if that sounds misogynist, like please don't take it that way. Uh, I have a wife who wants to see this movie. Um, yeah, this this cleaned up, and you're going to see bad moms too, which will be terrible. Well, I think I think I think ideally is that you know this is the type of movie that studios want to make money off of. It's just hard. I mean, look, it's hard to predict these this surprise would, hits. Yeah, because this it's easily hard to predict Central been. Intelligence. And, you know, it, it's no. Hard. I think yeah, this, this could have bombed. I mean, no, this could. I think bombed. this was. I think this was harder to predict than Central Intelligence because you're opening with Mila Kunis, who's not exactly box office gold. Neither is Kristen Bell. Not like they've been placed in a position to sell movies, but you're Catherine Hahn. Christina Applegate, Jada Pinkett, like these aren't like, oh, this isn't Melissa McCarthy, you know. And it, this isn't like, I mean, you had The Rock and Kevin Hart, like who have yeah, okay. scored huge. This could have been easily like, blink and you miss it, and it's on DVD in September. This, it was marketed very well, and they, they marketed they specifically towards a group of people, moms, and they went out and specifically, saw specifically, specifically, Jesus, I had enough of the drink. <laughs> specifically, young, younger moms. Um, who probably liked the Hangover, you know, and so I, and I think it was smartly done. And they also didn't market it as, "Hey, if you like the Hangover, you'll love this." Um, then there was Jason Bourne, uh, a movie I was into and wanted to see. And you know what? I'm I'm happy to see it. It's in the top ten, but it's. I mean, I, I think this I, was the nail in the coffin in the series. I think this was like, uh, that. I disagree with. I do not think it was the nail in the coffin. It did. I mean, it did pretty well. Oh no! Um, no I just mean like this was like the end chapter for like you know it's kind of like all right he comes back like comes back for one more year then it's like okay. Well, I don't want to spoil the ending, but they leave it wide open to well, continue course, on the series. Well, I'm just saying like I you know it's not. Look, th- this franchise it doesn't have the cachet that like Mission Impossible does, for example. Um, I, this movie, it was okay. I, I think like if you really love Jason Bourne movies, you'll like this perfectly fine. It gives you everything you want. It just is not 
it, it is not close to the quality of those other three films. Um, I, I'll say this: like if Paul, if director Paul Greengrass and Matt Damon, if they want to make a fifth one, they will. They will be able oh, to make a fifth oh, yeah, one. No, I'm sure they will. But I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know how much longer you're going to see too much out of them. So. Well, th- this is another one that goes back to your uh, Chili's comparison at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, I uh, or we can this... we can use Applebee's too if you want, or I, IHOP, I feel, whatever. I, f- I feel better with Applebee's. That's fine. I mean, I'm an Olive Garden guy, but this was one that you know, uh, you, perfectly fine you know meal. You, we need. I need to get you to better Italian restaurants, Dan. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm just. Well, I, I mean, I eat at better Italian restaurants. I'm just saying that, like, if I want a cheaper, you know quick meal that Olive Garden is a perfectly fine option. I mean, I, I was going to say you're from Boston. Not they have a, they have it's a not high end Italian, Italian dine. Boston has a really good Italian, uh, very good Italian restaurants there. So yeah, yes, they do. Uh, so Jason Bourne, look, it is what it is. It was fine, but you know, I I've already forgotten about this movie. I think a lot of people have, uh, it was really symbolic of the one summer. Of, one of the, one of the interesting releases is very small. Uh, it was a quick release was Batman, the killing joke. Uh, yeah. Film. How did you go see that? I uh, saw it. I did. Uh, I I hear not so great things about it, or certain decisions that were made were not well received. I should say. Yeah, I don't want to veer off too. I well, first and foremost, I I mean, the well, Batman: now, The Killing Joke is actually it's actually my favorite Batman graphic novel of all time. So I actually a lot of people. Yeah. It, it's it. It's a book that really hit me hard in terms of the world of Batman. Uh, now, now set, when they to adapt set this the up, act- this is the yeah, go the ahead. vocal cast from the Fox animated series, correct? Yep, yeah. Mark Hamill back wow. as the Joker, Kevin Conroy back as uh, Batman. I, the actress is escaping me, but they get the same uh, woman who did Batgirl in the animated series as well. I forget her name right now. Um, yeah, so this was. Uh, so yeah, this was actually released in theaters, uh, and I guess, and I supposedly from what I read, it actually made like a decent amount of box office. Uh, I don't know how much this movie cost to make, but it was, I think supposed to just be a direct to DVD thing as does all these DC animated movies are. Um, I thought the film was pretty good. Like I thought they captured the spirit of it very well. The, the big controversy that everybody has is the stuff that they add in the first 20, 25 minutes at the beginning of the movie. Which is, I see what they were doing, but it was, it just went on too long. That was my criticism of it. But uh, yeah, this was, uh, I, I, think, I think you could definitely see Warner Brothers doing more of this when it comes to Batman is releasing these animated movies because uh, there's definitely a hunger for it. So uh, not, a, not a bad little idea. So then we have the final weekend of July, which signified, this year signified pretty much summer's coming to an end. Uh, that was the Emma Roberts, Dave Franco, Thriller, Nerve. Okay, moving on. God, I, I, yeah, I, I forgot that moving came out. On. Um, I, just give me one second. I just want to see how much this next movie made. Wow. <laughs> Nerve, Nerve is a ner- – I, I think it was very reminiscent of Pokemon Go from what I read. I don't oh, know. I've seen her. I can't see everything, all right? Um, yeah, so then there was uh, the movie of the summer, the absolute – Darling, the what everyone was talking about. Dan, you know it. I know it. The movie's called Nine Lives. Um, well, I well, okay. To all joking aside, uh, this was one I I would have uh, I would have seen had I had the time in that particular weekend. But I was only I could only see one movie that weekend. Obviously, I was going to see Suicide Squad. 
I really don't have much to say about Nine Lives. I just want to say this. If you go back to my summer preview article, I predicted that Nine Lives, I was ahead of the curve on this. I said it would be the worst movie of the summer. And by all accounts, that's exactly what it was. I think it has like a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Dan Cohen brought it to you first. I told you it was going to be absolute garbage, and that's what happened. Kevin Spacey voicing a cat. You think that would be a match made in heaven, but apparently it's not. So there you go. Nine lives. Um, I have a feeling this movie is just gonna like it's gonna be on five million times. Well, it's gonna on be a cable. It's gonna be a cult phenomenon. I mean, I kind of want to see it after a few drinks. I don't oh, know about you, but I, I think I've done those podcasts on a few drinks. Um, uh, I'm gonna skip the directed big one. by directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Yes. Barry Sonnenfeld, for all those who are like, hey, I know that name. Yes, he directed the Men in Black movies, guys. <laughs> you know, no, well, forget the Men in Black movies. I think yeah, the two underrated movies. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. But uh, I, I, I really like the Adam Sandler movies he did from the early 90s, both of them. I thought both were really funny. Uh, if you haven't seen the Adam Sandler movies, check them out. They're oh, the hilarious. Adam, I, you know what I thought you said? Uh, it, 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 it sounded like you said, oh, the Adam Sandler movies you did. I'm like, I thought you hated Adam Sandler movies. Um, I, I, liked, I, I like early Adam Sandler movies, but no, he did not do any Adam Sandler movies. No, uh, yeah, if you haven't yeah. seen the Adams Family, Those are good. check it out. Those Christopher are... Lloyd, uh, the, the, the late Julia. great Raul Julia. Oh. Before his Street Fighter days, poor guy. That's all like always going to be remembered for this great actor. And the only thing people ever talk about with Raul Julia is 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 that he was M Bison in oh, Street Fighter. I know, but uh, he's really. But yes, he was great as Gomez Adams. Uh, so Angelica look, Houston, lives, Angelica Houston is probably one of her most memorable roles too. But like, I don't think we've given enough uh, talk to Nine Lies. So let let me just say this. Sometimes in life, you know, I, I, I've never, you know, like I said, I don't work for a studio. I'm not a studio executive. And maybe this is just one of those cases where a writer or a producer went in here with the greatest pitch of all time. And they made this sound like it would be Lawrence of Arabia. Because, I, I mean, when you watch the trailer and you read about what this movie is, Kevin Spacey voicing a cat that calls himself Mr. Fuzzy Pants you know, you think to yourself, really, they put money into this movie? But look, you never know what goes on behind the scenes with these things. Like I said, it could have been the greatest pitch of all time. And quite honestly, like, I mean, this this is basically like a body-switching movie. And those work in terms of box office. So maybe that's what they were thinking. I don't know. I think some movies get made for the summer. That studios think, okay, we didn't spend, maybe we didn't spend a lot on this movie, but they're like, you know what, maybe August will be really rainy and people have to go out or there's kids and they'll be like, you know what, to see this movie. I really maybe believe- in all honesty, like, I mean, I'm not even joking about this, but I bet what they probably thought too was maybe we can get, you know, the, the room type audience if you know what i'm talking about oh, absolutely. like people who are going to come into this you know, drinking their drinking their asses off right drinking their asses off and just want to laugh laugh and laugh and you know i don't i i looks like this movie made just over 17 million i have no idea what the hell the, the budget was on this thing oh, you know who knows totally, maybe it totally made money i don't know oh it didn't uh it's saying not yet saying non-applicable the old the old na so that probably means it didn't do well uh so 
All right. I, I apologize to the audience. I think we spent a $30 million time budget. On, Holy shit. All right. So we've, we've probably spent more time of, on nine ten, lives than we ever thought possible. Ten of that went to Kevin Spacey. Um, Here's the thing, though. Just, I'm avoiding the movie that we have to talk about next. I'm still in recovery. I'm skipping it until the end. Um, okay, that's fine. Then we go into a, a recent weekend, August 12th. Uh, we had Florence Foster Jenkins, uh, which I think is Hello Meryl Streep Oscar nomination. We'll see. I mean, now the She's only reason I think great reviews. No, I, I'm sure she will get an Oscar nomination. The only reason I say you know hold the phone here for a minute is because it was released in the summer. So you know it could it, it, people could forget about it. Uh, having said that, yeah. But having said that, though, I'm sure. It is getting rave reviews. Uh, I'm sure that Mel Street will come up at Oscar time. Uh, then there's Pete's Dragon, which, which I told you that would flop. It did. Did it? I, I'm just looking at it. It's at 42 right now. So uh, I guess uh, I mean I guess it didn't flop. But it, it, it actually certainly didn't. Change. The reviews are coming in are pretty good. It was marketed horribly. I mean, yeah, worked, yeah. I mean, this was you know, BFG level marketing. This is going to break even. It's got a sixty-five million dollar budget. It's at forty-two eight right now. At the end of the day, this will break even. You're never. You're not. Yeah, gonna but see it. I mean, but you're still not factoring in marketing and all that stuff. So, but we're also not, not factoring not, in uh, the foreign box office either. But I'm, I'm just saying, like this. This will at the end of the day, you will not see a Peach Dragon two. It, this was no. a break-even, we're kind of dumping it off in August for a reason type movie. Well, look, it's a Disney movie, and let's be honest, nobody is shedding a tear for Disney this year. Um, so I think they're doing just fine. Yeah, they've had a lot of hits. And then we had, um, I'm going to skip the other movie that was really big until I talk about this one, which I'd like you to champion a little bit, which you already have is a movie called Hell or High Water with Ben Foster, Jeff Bridges, and Chris Pine, which is kind of a limited release right now, but getting really good reviews. Yeah, this is one, um, you know, we'll, I'm going to talk more about this movie uh, when we do our end of the year podcast, because I don't, and yeah, I reviewed Hell or High Water. It's only in, I'm looking at it right now, it looks like it's only in 32 theaters right now. It's it's a limited release. Uh, hopefully, it will get enough juice to expand into more theaters so people can see it. You know, this is one, we'll talk about it for a little bit here right now, but it's not really like a summer movie. Uh, but I was glad I was able to see this. Uh, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so I, I have the opportunity to see some of these smaller movies. Um, great film, Chris Pine. Uh, I, why am I forgetting Lebowski's name right now? Help me out, Bill. Jeff I'm Bridges. drawing a blank. Jeff Bridges. Sorry about this. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, uh, also Ben Foster, who's, uh, he's actually had a nice little year. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great movie. So just, just, uh, for people who haven't seen this one, which I'm sure you haven't because it hasn't opened in many theaters, keep your eye out on this might come up again during Oscar time, might get lost in the shuffle. We'll see, but a fine little film. Uh, then what I think, what is your favorite movie this summer is, uh, a little movie called Sausage Party. This, so, we haven't talked about Suicide Squad. We obviously will. We've been yeah. teasing that for the whole podcast, but, because we're that not, is kind We're not going to talk that much about it. We have well, a whole, it, but, it's, I mean, Suicide Squad is, like, the symbolic, yes. for me, it's symbolic of the summer, but Sausage Party. So, this opened one week after Suicide Squad, and I'll just be honest with you, after Suicide Squad, I was depressed, I thought I hated the summer, 
it was just I was down in the dumps. Uh, to me, I thought that the summer was only going to get worse because I told you in our preview podcast that Sausage Party was a movie I was. It could have gone either way for you me. Were, you were like, I, you were a little. You had a lot of trepid, and not a little. You had a lot of trepidation about this movie. You're like, this is either going to be awesome or this is going to suck. Right, right, and from from what I was reading about Sausage Party before I saw it, uh, even though it was getting somewhat favorable reviews early on, a lot of what I was reading was it's very Seth Rogen heavy, and I mean I've made no bones about it. I'm not a fan. I'm not a big fan of his comedy, so. What really irritated me was I always felt Sausage Party was a movie that had a lot of potential because, for me, the concept is hilarious. Uh, I've always wanted to see a talking food movie. And not only that, I've I've been craving rated R animation for a long time, really since South Park in the late 90s, which is a classic. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, from 1999, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. So it was a movie that I was nervous about because it had so much potential and I really wanted to do well because I want to see more movies like this. And I hated the fact that there was so much responsibility on the shoulders of Seth Rogen. So I was – I sat down to see this thing. I didn't really know what to expect. I was sort of excited but also very nervous and I guess I was nervous because I thought to me after seeing Suicide Squad – I thought Sasha's Sausage Party was going to be like the ultimate fu to Dan Cohen capper of the summer. Like, what a way to close out this crappy summer. Two huge disappointments in a row. But I watched Sausage Party and I almost like I almost cried at how good this movie was. Seth Rogen saved my summer. I can't even believe I'm saying those words. And he doesn't have to make another good movie for the rest of his career. At this, he will always have a special place in my heart for Sausage Party. If you haven't seen this film, please, please do. It is hysterical. It's all the things you would expect from a Seth Rogen movie. Plenty of drug humor. You know, I'm sure you will get offended at some point. Raunchy as hell. I mean, I know, it's rated I R a lot for, of people that were offended by this movie. Rated, rated R for a reason. But yeah, well, you know what, though? Like, I, I don't want to turn this into a big discussion, but... You know, in our very, very politically correct society, it is a movie that you don't get a lot of these days. So it is a comedy that I appreciate. And the whole thing with like getting offended, like if if the humor is not good, then it's worse because of how offensive the comedy is. But if you do it right, then it's really funny. Sausage Party does it right. It is it is really smart. And it's the type of movie that I always felt had the potential that it did. But it's not shut. But part of what is so brilliant about Sausage Party is that the main I don't want to give away too much, but basically the main character has to learn that you can't just like shove these opinions in people's faces. You know, it's it's such a great lesson. I I, I can't believe I'm saying this about a Seth Rogen comedy, but it really does make you think. And aside from all that, it is the funniest movie I've seen in years. And it's the movie to me that made this whole forgettable summer worth it. So if I haven't sold this movie enough, I, I hope I did at the end of this discussion. Please see it. Please. Dude, it's dude. great. Um, uh, and then we close out because uh, we haven't discussed these on the site, so I don't really want to spoil the reviews yet. Um, 
as of right now, Ben. Or the, the, this weekend we just opened up with Ben Hur, Kubo, and the Two Strings, and War Dogs. Mm. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, uh, I heard good things about Kubo. Yeah, this is one I really. I, I think I'm going to try and see it within the next couple of weeks. It's supposed to be great. So look, hey, hey, you know, you never know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll come out of Kubo liking this, and maybe when you look back on it, maybe the summer won't be too bad. And then there's uh, War Dogs, um, which um, put. Uh, Really good two leads uh, for a movie that I have heard nothing good about. Well, I, I now it's funny we're we're recording this. My review of War Dogs is not posted, but by the time you hear this, it will be. I actually like this movie. Uh, this oh, was probably this was probably one of the bigger surprises for me. Uh, I think I said in our preview podcast that the trailers looked like crap. They still do. and they they are the 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 marketing does not do this film justice at all because. I'll say this. Uh, Todd Phillips is the director of this. And uh, for those who don't know, he did the Hangover trilogy, old school. He's kind of a hit or miss director. I think that's fair to say. Yes. Uh, so Todd Phillips, with this movie, though, it, it's still a comedy, but not really. It is more of what I compared it to was Adam McKay with The Big Short, where he's a director known for these really silly movies. Uh, but he's actually really trying to make something that he feels very passionate about in terms of what the subject matter is. And it's, I want to make, I want to make it very clear. This movie is not nearly as good as the big short, which is great, but it's pretty solid. Miles Teller and Jonah Hill carry it very well. Jonah Hill is really good in the film. Uh, so I'm not saying you have to run out and see this movie, but, but check it out on VOD for sure. Then there's, but, uh, then there's been her. Um, do you have anything nice to say about Ben Hur? I like Jack Houston. He's a very good actor. I don't know why he's in this movie. We, we, we talked about yeah. it. I, there's nothing else to say. I mean, it was dumb. Everybody knew it was going to flop. There was no hunger to see a Ben Hur remake. The movie. I mean, you, first of all, it's one of those classic, quintessential Hollywood epics. I mean, I understand. Like Hollywood is a business. You know, you want to make movies to make money, but can't there be some things? That remains sacred. Did, did they nope. really have to touch Ben Hur? Obviously, they did. And sadly, I, I like Timur Beckham-Badov, who's the director. Wish he got better American stuff. Uh, then we round out the summer with uh, "Don't Breathe." That's a horror movie. Who I, I don't even know what. Oh, now we're, now we're technically going into the future here because we're recording yes. this. These have not yeah, come out. So. Yeah, "Don't but Breathe," which is the uh, kind of like this, like could be a nice little end of summer. Um, I'm sure. Surprise. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's going to be another string of horror movies that wasn't made for much and will do extremely well. Hold on one sec. What's that? Um, sorry about that. Um, then we have Hands of Stone, the boxing movie. And then, uh, which I'm surprised is coming out at this point. Well, you know, well, okay, I'll, I'll tell you why it's probably coming out. is because, you know, it's with Robert De Niro. Uh, John Turturro looks like is in this. So this is a movie. It's from the Weinstein Company. So you would think, oh, this is probably going to be an Oscar movie. My guess is, is that the movie is not very good because they dumped it at the end of the summer. Uh, if it was any if – it, if it had – if it was any good, then they would have released it later in the year. And then you have Mechanic Resurrection, nobody cares at the end. Unless it makes a billion dollars. Um, like, yeah, like we said, if, if Mechanic Resurrection makes a billion dollars, we'll do a 20 yes. podcast. All right. So everybody relax. Absolutely. Sorry about that. And then uh, 
okay, so then we then we actually get into September territory, which we'll, we will be discussing in our next podcast. Yes, we will. And okay, so here we go. Let's circle back to Suicide to Squad. The, so, yeah. so the reason we're circling back is because Dan made the statement of this is a movie that typifies or just embodies what the summer movie, or the 2016 summer movie season was. And Dan, please present your thesis on why that is. <laughs> well, to put it to put it bluntly, uh, it's a summer of disappointment, and Suicide Squad was to me. We talked about it in the Squad podcast. It is one of the most disappointing movies I've ever seen. And I'm sorry, this isn't this is a case where I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. Uh, we talked about it not just in our preview podcast, but in other podcasts. How great this movie looked. I mean, we were jacked up for it. You know, I think you were thinking about seeing it in the movie theater, and then me, as well as a lot of other reviews, probably scared you off. Oh yeah, and I just so- didn't. I just I, I saw the review, and I'm just like, um. Yeah, I can wait. If it's that much of a disappointment, I'm just like, I'm not going to drop my money. I am one of those people, I guess I, I, I'm now going to answer my question I posed to you earlier, was, hey, if this movie is, people are saying it's as bad as it is, and coming from multiple sources, including someone who is a very big DC fan like yourself, to say, right, oh, this movie was really bad, uh, I'm just like, I my okay, let's put it this way. My, uh, my best friend in the entire world, uh, best man of my wedding, godfather to my child, said to me, don't even get this movie on demand. It does not deserve even a dime of your money. I told my friends the same thing. I said, just read a Wikipedia summary of the movie so you, just so you're well prepared for the future DC films. It's that bad. And I have to say, though, uh, I don't want to say I'm in the minority because a lot of people dis- detest this movie like I do. But there is also a huge segment of it's not that bad. But honestly, here's the bottom line with Suicide Squad. I haven't met anyone or talked with anyone who passionately says I loved this film. Well, you have not talked to our new comic book editor who said he would debate you on that on a podcast. He For Suicide Squad? Oh, God. Well, listen, but I mean, even with even with Batman versus Superman, uh, there are more people who are passionate about that film than this one. Uh, this was just, it, I mean, I, we talked about how studio, the studio may have meddled with this. You know, there are plenty of articles about that. Yeah, there's supposedly uh, like six, six different edits of the film and whatnot. Oh, my God. It's just one of these movies that, to me, it, it, it's, a, it's a big complaint that I have about a lot of MCU films, which is I think Suicide Squad plays it really safe it doesn't take a lot of chances, but its biggest offense in what we talked about in our Suicide Squad podcast was it takes great characters like the Joker, like Harley Quinn, and totally underserves them. And to me, that is Suicide Squad's biggest offense. But I, I also will say this, though. When you look at the Suicide Squad box office, well, I think it certainly could have made more had the film gotten better word of mouth. People still came out for it. I mean, it's still number one at the box office as we speak. I know there have been big, I know there have been big drop offs, but right now it's it's over five hundred and seventy million worldwide. It's gonna get. It's gonna obviously. It's still in plenty of theaters, so it's gonna make a hell of a lot more money. Uh, so I think the bottom line to me is that people are thirsty for DC films, as we've talked about. At some point. 
one of these DC films is going to hit critically and it's going to hit with the audiences. And that's the one that will make a billion dollars. Maybe it'll be Wonder Woman. Maybe it'll be Justice League. Uh, we don't know. We already got but, some advanced weirdness about Wonder Woman. So yeah, and so. they they're trying to debunk that right now. Uh, so look, it's but but you but you know how that works. You know, Suicide Squad. It's everyone's writing articles about how it's a train wreck. Yada yada yada. And so that leads to you know it gets the ball rolling on all those other discussions like oh well what does this mean for wonder woman you know what does this mean for justice league suicide squad is what it is it has a few defenders it was you know critically it was a massive disappointment among fans it was a disappointment box office though a slight disappointment but i when you look at it compared to everything else that came out this summer it kicked ass so i think uh, for me I think DC can still sustain a couple more misses because there is a thirst for that audience. And this is why superhero movies are never going to go away. Even movies that got trashed like this critically are, I mean, Suicide Squad is still going to finish at the very worst in the top four of of the summer. So there you go. Uh, Yeah. But I mean, I think we can both agree that in many ways that Suicide Squad, there is money that was left on the table. Uh, with oh, with with no, oh, there's no doubt. I mean, if this we we talked about how if this hit, we we both thought it was going to hit big critically, and it was just going to, especially if you look at what's been coming out after Suicide Squad, like War Dogs, which didn't connect with people, Ben Hur, which uh, I think we can definitively say did not connect with anyone. I mean, think about all the money that it left on the table. It could have cleaned up if it was a uh, if it was a critical and audience smash because. There's no competition right now. Yes, I, I completely agree. Uh, now I'm going to put this to you. Um, sequel. I say no. I think that I think you're going to see obviously a lot of these characters continue in other DC films, like the Joker, like Harley Quinn. But as far as like an all-out Suicide Squad two, I say no because I think the studio is going to look at it and say. Look, people clearly liked Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. I think we're better off doing just a spinoff with her, maybe incorporating other characters from Suicide Squad. But as far as a just an all-out sequel called Suicide Squad Two, I don't think so because I don't think because I don't think many people like this movie. So why would they come back for more? I think they would rather just see certain characters get their own movies or certain characters getting molded into like just a Batman movie or, you know, a flash movie or whatever. So I I don't think this movie gets a sequel. I don't think this movie gets a sequel. I don't think Ghostbusters gets a sequel. I don't think Ninja Turtles gets a sequel. I don't think Independence Day gets a sequel. And that to me is the bottom line of the summer. It's you're finally starting to see franchises getting weeded out. Uh, What does it all mean? I don't think much is going to change. I think what they're going to do is you might see a lot of these franchise and property movies get moved into different parts of the calendar year like Deadpool in February. Uh, So as much as I would like to say here that the lesson of the summer is maybe there's going to be more originality like sausage party, which was only made for like $20 million. But at the same time, it goes back to what I talked about earlier that the top 10 movies, uh, top 10 summer grocers, eight of them were still part of known properties. So 
We'll see how it all plays out next year, where I think there is going to be actually safer picks, like Guardians 2. I think Spider-Man is coming out next summer. Wonder Woman, even if it's somewhat of a disappointment, it's still going to make a lot of money. So I'm curious to see what you think about the summer going forward. Well, I, I don't think the... Um... I don't think the impact of this summer will have much of an impact short term because I think like those summer plans are made. Right, right, exactly. So, but I think you'll see this impact looking down the road, like two, two, so three this years. Twenty sixteen, like maybe this will stop. This will impact twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you know, we saw how long some of these movies it took to get sequels. Maybe people are like, okay, you know what? Because there are a ton of sequels. I mean, we have a John Wick 2 coming out. You know what I mean? Like, And I like the first John Wick, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you're going to see sequels to some of these movies. But, I think okay, I think your answer could come in the, the form of, and you're going to laugh at me when I say it, Tarzan. Okay. It's going to be Tarzan. It made money, but I think people are going to look at it and say, we're not making a sequel to this. Right, I mean, did yeah, but right, did did anybody like Tarzan? No, and that's the thing. I think you're going to see I, every summer has the forgettable blockbuster. I always point to something like uh, me, myself, and Irene. I, I, I could be wrong, but I always thought like there wasn't a ton of people who were like, "Oh my god, I own this movie, I worship this movie. This movie is amazing. It made a buttload of money, but people don't really remember it, you know, or aren't really like." They remember it, but they're not like, oh, I have to own that. Oh, I'd like to see where that story continues. But it made like $200 million or something like that. Um, I think it's just like, I think three years ago, if Tarzan made that same money, sequels greenlit. Now people are like, okay, let's let's not greenlight this stuff right now. Um, do I think, the one thing I disagree with is proven properties. I think... Will st- they'll continue milking proven properties, and the reboots will still come. I mean, I, I've read about a Chronicles of Narnia reboot. We don't really, we don't. I mean, the franchise is only ten years old. It's gonna flop. I mean, unless it's not. I, I, I mean, I think no, the I'm just. Here... I, I, you need more originality. There was a reason Inception was such a monster hit when it came out. But hey, and next summer we get Dunkirk. So I mean, like, that but could that's be, that could but be that, awesome. But the but the problem is is. With Dun with Dunkirk, I mean, you have a director that he can do whatever the hell he wants, and that movie's going to make a ton of money. Dunkirk is going to make a lot of money, but not everybody is Christopher Nolan. I mean, no, that's I, the pro- that, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and and the can, problem is, we're, we, like, we've kind of lost the archetype for certain action movies. Like, we can't really go back. You know, American audiences aren't really into the red blooded. Diehard Michael Bay blood and guts action movies of twenty years ago when we were fighting terrorists because you know it's kind of like that's a sore subject and people aren't into blood and guts anymore. Um, you know, people. You know, how many times are we going to do an alien invasion? We've kind of proven that's done. So I, I feel like we've kind of hit this where it's like, okay, let's just do more comic book movies because we know that works. Well, um, I think I mean this is really it's really gut check time I think for studios because. I would love to sit here and tell everybody that we're going to we're going to get at the lesson of the summer is we're going to get more sausage parties, very original concepts. Uh, you can make them for not too much money and, you know, they can and they can make and they can make coin. But I don't know. I don't know if that's the lesson, because as I said, 
the top 10 movies, eight of them are still part of known properties. Now, I do agree with you in the larger sense that a lot of those aren't going to get sequels like Tarzan. Uh, but I, I think I think one of the bigger lessons though, of the summer is is Ghostbusters, because I think studios are really going to think twice about attempting real iconic films. You mean like the like, clue, I, like the Clue remake that Fox is doing? But yeah, but even I mean, oh, that's annoying. But even, but even stuff like that, I mean, it didn't. Ha- it doesn't have the iconic stature no. of, of Ghostbusters. I think what Ghostbusters proved to everybody is that. If you're one of the people like me who used to wake up in cold sweats thinking they were going to remake Back to the Future, that will never happen now. No, they, the studio will never want to go through that headache. So, and it's part of the reason why, you know, even though I was rooting for Ghostbusters, there was a part of me, if I'm being honest, that was kind of happy it didn't do that well because I don't want to see stuff regurgitated i want to see more originality and i think studios might look at the ghostbusters debacle and say like hey you know what you know what you know what one of the great things people said about ghostbusters was it was this cast they just didn't like this cast in this movie so why don't we get these four actresses and something else that's an original concept i i i i hope that that is the lesson of the summer of 2016 i hope so too dan now I think we're going to close this podcast. It was a little longer than our normal cast, but, you know, there was a lot to cover in this We one. had four months of films to discuss here, so... Oh, don't worry. And hey. soon, and next, next weekend, we'll be doing... Oh, well, soon we'll be doing four months more of films because uh, we actually have our first ever Pop Break Fantasy Football Draft next weekend, so we will not be podcasting. Uh, so uh, you can follow popbreak.com online at, at pop break.com all spelt out on twitter forward slash popbreak.com all spelt out on facebook uh popbreak official on instagram and as always the website is pop-break.com and if you're very interested in hearing what i have to say on twitter which i'm very very surprised i am at bodkin writes and he is dan cohen he is at d cohen writer he has a lot to say and not just about pop break he'll talk about anything about movies with you he even likes being uh, insulted by um, Star Wars uh, Twitter bots who don't like when he makes fun of Rogue One trailers. Um, I don't know if you saw that or not. but that, that will be a discussion for our next podcast. Uh, there will be plenty of Rogue One talk. That I, I can guarantee you. That's I'm looking forward to. Uh, so for Dan Cohen, I'm Bill Bodkin saying, hey, enjoy the rest of the summer and help the mechanic make a billion dollars. Please don't. <laughs>